Our scripture reading tonight, we're going to turn to a few places in scripture. We're going to read two Psalms, Psalm 24 and then Psalm 47. Psalm 24 and then Psalm 47, both of these Psalms having to do with the ascension of Jesus Christ. And as we read these Psalms, note two things about each Psalm. First, who it is who is ascending, namely the king, the conqueror, the victor. And then secondly, the praise and the glory and the honor that is rendered unto him. So let's read these two psalms and then we'll turn to the end of Luke. But first, Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. Now let's turn to Psalm 47. Psalm 47. O clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible, he is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loved, Selah. God is gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted. And now let's turn to the New Testament to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We'll begin reading at verse 36. Our text this evening consists of the last three verses of this chapter. Luke 24, 
Verse 36, this is now the resurrected Jesus appearing unto his disciples. Verse 36, and as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now these last three verses will be the text this evening. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word, the text being those last three verses, 51, 2, and 3 of Luke chapter 24. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us the truth that upon Jesus' ascension into heaven, that the disciples were filled with great joy as they return to Jerusalem. That's not usually the occasion where we would think that one would experience joy. Joy when somebody is leaving, a, a happiness when a dear loved one goes away. But for the disciples here in Luke 24, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus went away. He left them. He ascended into heaven. And that became the occasion of great joy for them as they make their way back to Jerusalem. When you think of Christ's ascension into heaven, does that make you happy? Does that make you joyful? The text 
here tonight links together those two things. Joy and Jesus' ascension. Because after the ascension, the disciples returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Not with a little joy. Not with just a little smile on their face, but with great joy. Great joy, that makes us to think back to the beginning of Luke. In the beginning of Luke where the angels announce the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, the angel appears to the shepherds and saying, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And that was true for the shepherds. They, they were happy and they were glad and they rushed and they saw the baby Jesus. And they rejoiced and they praised God. The birth of Jesus for those shepherds and for all of God's people is an occasion of great joy. But then even too with the resurrection of Jesus. In John chapter 20, we read the reaction of the disciples. How did the disciples react when Jesus rose from the dead and appeared unto them? John 20 says, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. So that the resurrection of Jesus also is an occasion of great joy and happiness. So that when it comes to Christmas, the birth of Jesus, when it comes to Easter, the resurrection, these are occasions of great joy for God's people. But you see, that's also how we ought to approach the ascension of Jesus into heaven. And so tonight, let's be full of joy. Great joy. Why? Because Jesus is no longer on this earth, but that he left us to go into heaven and to take his rightful spot at the right hand of God. Our theme for the sermon tonight, rejoicing in Jesus' ascension. Let's look first at this unlikely occasion. Secondly, the great significance of Jesus' ascension. And then finally, the continual praise, rejoicing in Jesus' ascension. Now, at, at first glance, the ascension of Jesus is an unlikely occasion for joy. Why is that? Well, because the ascension meant that Jesus left, that Jesus departed from the disciples. And that's what's taking place here at the end of Luke chapter 24. And the inspired Luke will expand upon the events of the ascension in the very next chapter of the Bible, Acts chapter 1. But here in Luke 24, verse 50, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, leads the disciples, it says, as far out as unto Bethany. Now we know that Jesus ascended from the Mount of Olives. Well, the Mount of Olives was in the region of Bethany. So that's where Jesus is going. He's going to the Mount of Olives, which is in that region of Bethany. And Jesus, we know from the other gospel accounts, give the, the disciples the great commission to go out into all the world, to preach, 
and to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus raises his hands and speaks a word of blessing to his disciples. And he slowly begins to his body to lift up from off of the earth with his hands outstretched, blessing his disciples. Jesus going up and up and God preparing a cloud. Not an ordinary cloud, but a special cloud to come and to receive Jesus and to take him into heaven, to God's right hand. But that was the last thing the disciples saw. They saw Jesus' arms outstretched as he went up and up, and that cloud received Jesus and took him out of their sight. And as they're standing there looking up into the sky, this is from Acts chapter 1, two angels say unto them, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who arose will also come in like manner. And so here in Luke 24 verse 51 tells us what the ascension was like from the point of view of the disciples, from the point of view of earth. He was parted from them and carried up into heaven so that Jesus, in his human nature, left the disciples. He departed from them. He was no longer with them in the body. Now, in our experience, when somebody leaves us, that's usually not an occasion for rejoicing, but usually an occasion for sadness. We find that with the disciples earlier, when Jesus was leading them to the Garden of Gethsemane before the night before his crucifixion. And in John chapters 14 and 15 and 16, Jesus speaks to the disciples as they're making their way to the garden. Jesus says, I go to the Father. Jesus tells them that I'm going to leave you. And the disciples, upon hearing that, they are sad. And they don't like what they're hearing from Jesus, at least the part where he told them that he was going away. And that, that's, that was unthinkable for the disciples. But on the one hand, on the same, the other hand, I suppose that's understandable because the departure of a loved one is hard. When a loved one goes away and we don't know when they're coming back, we cry when that happens. It's hard to say goodbye to somebody you love so much and knowing that they are going to leave you. And there are other instances in the Bible where friends have parted and where sadness uh, ensued. So that you think to the Old Testament, you think of the relationship between David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan were the best of friends. They had a special bond in the Lord. But then there came the time that they had to separate because Saul set out to kill David. And then David and Jonathan met one last time. 
In 1 Samuel 20, they wept together. They were parting ways. They weren't going to see each other anymore. They both knew it. And they were filled with sadness. And then in the New Testament, Paul's last visit with the elders of the church in Ephesus. We read of that in Acts chapter 20. Paul speaks with them one last time, uh, giving them their, their, charging them to do the work of the elder and encouraging them and praying with the elders. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 37, they all wept sore and fell upon Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. They were parting ways. And these Ephesian elders, they were not rejoicing, but at that moment, they were sad. And they wept. And they were full of grief. And that's something we all know too by experience. To say goodbye to somebody we love so much, that's a very hard thing to do. Whether somebody who lives far away and they come and visit us, but now it's time for them to leave. Or maybe it's the case that we have an elderly parent, a grandparent, whose days on earth are coming to a close and we must say goodbye to them because we know that soon we will be parted from them. And we're sad and we cry. We wish our loved ones did not have to go away. And if our goodbyes are difficult and filled with sorrow, this here in the Bible is the Son of God departing from the disciples. And so we can understand their sorrow, at least initially, when Jesus tells them that he's going to heaven. But now something has changed. Because when Jesus finally does leave them, when he's carried up into heaven, how strange that the disciples go back to the city of Jerusalem with great joy. That's what the text says, with great joy. And we ask, why don't they all break out into tears and weep and moan because Jesus is leaving them? And they all know that this time that he's not coming back in three days like he did in the crucifixion and the resurrection on the third day. But now it would wait until the end of the New Testament dispensation. And that was going to be beyond even the lifespan of the disciples. But this meant for the disciples that they would no longer sit at the feet of Jesus and be instructed by him in the way that they were during the three years of his ministry. No more walking and talking with Jesus as they traveled with Jesus from Jerusalem to Galilee and back to Jerusalem. No longer would Jesus be with them physically in the way that he was during the years of his earthly ministry. But now Jesus is leaving them, and they return to Jerusalem with great joy. And you can see the disciples making their way back to Jerusalem. Their, their spirits are lifted, 
They've seen Jesus for the last time on earth. And they're happy. And they're glad. They're recounting to one another their love for their Savior. They're, they're brimming with excitement and love and devotion for their Savior. Now let's understand what this joy of the disciples is all about. Uh, a happiness? A gladness? Yes, absolutely that. But it's the type of joy and happiness that transcends all earthly circumstances so that one could be hated and despised of men as the disciples were hated and despised of men, especially by the Jews, by the Pharisees. And yet when one has this happiness, well, then this, this joy is the only thing that matters. So that perhaps there is that child of God, to a certain extent, all of us. This is true of all of us. But a child of God whose life is filled with nothing but pain and sorrow. A child of God who is mocked and ridiculed. A child of God who, who loses his job, perhaps, even because of his faith. Or you think of many of God's saints in all of human history, who have been persecuted and who have given their lives for the sake of the faith that they confess. And, and yet when God's people have this joy of which the text speaks, they are happy in their hearts. They are joyful in their souls. Outwardly you see pain and misery but if you could look into their hearts, you see a heart overflowing with love and excitement and joy. This is the joy of the disciples, as the text says. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now we ask, well, how, how is this possible? How is it possible for the disciples to be so joyful, especially considering the occasion? Jesus left them. Their master, their Lord, they look to him for safety, for protection. He's gone. They're not going to see him anymore with the eye of the body. Well, the answer is this that their joy is directly linked to who Jesus Christ is. Or to put it more particularly, their joy is linked to the ascension of Jesus Christ. Because the ascension of Jesus isn't simply that the man Jesus in his human nature went up into heaven now that's true, that's, that, that, that is the ascension that the Lord Jesus Christ in his human nature went from earth into heaven. But not simply that, if that's all that the ascension meant, then you could be sure that the disciples would not have gone back to Jerusalem with great joy. Then they would have gone back to Jerusalem sad and dejected and miserable 
But then this leads us to the significance of the ascension. It's the significance of the ascension that becomes the reason why the disciples are so joyful. The ascension was very meaningful for the Lord Jesus Christ. In the first place, Jesus' ascension into heaven was part of his exaltation. When you think of the ascension of Jesus into heaven, this is the crowning of the king. Jesus' ascension into heaven, therefore, it isn't like you and me when we leave our house and then we come back in three days, we come back in 40 days, we come back in a year or two and we say, all right, now I'm home again. That's not the ascension of Jesus into heaven, but this is Jesus entering into heaven as the conquering king. And that was something that was pictured to the disciples and to all the people in Jerusalem on that Sunday that we know as Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. When Jesus came into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey, amidst the shouts of the people, Hosanna to the son of David, because everybody knew that the great son of David, the Christ, the Messiah, would come, and that this great son of David would be the king and would defeat their enemies and would take his seat upon his rightful throne. And the reality now takes place with Jesus' ascension into heaven. Because on the cross of Calvary, Jesus performed that work that God gave him to do, which was the suffering of all of the sins of God's people. There Jesus delivered us from the bondage of sin, delivering us from the clutches of Satan, delivering us from the, from the power of sin, and then in his resurrection, God announcing that this work that Jesus performed on the cross, that, that it was effectual, that it in fact worked. And now Jesus enters into heaven as the conquering king who's done the work, who's performed the will of the Father. He's the captain who has destroyed his enemies and who takes his rightful spot at the right hand of God. And that's how Jesus ascends into heaven, as the conquering king who's done the work of God. That's why we read there those, those two psalms from the Old Testament, Psalm 24 and Psalm 47, both psalms having to do specifically with the ascension of Jesus Christ. And in Psalm 24, speaking of the uh, inhabitants of heaven and their joy as Jesus ascends into heaven, as they are anticipating the entrance of the king. Psalm 24, note their gladness and joy, verses 7 and 8. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And then in Psalm 47, in verses uh, 5 and 6, 
God is gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our God. Sing praises. Well, that's what it was like in heaven that day when Jesus ascended into heaven. Amidst the, the angels in heaven and all of God's saints who had already gone to heavenly glory, lifting up their voices and praising and worshiping the King of all glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he ascends up into heaven. And this shows us then the relationship between the ascension and the crucifixion of Jesus, because Jesus cannot go up if he has not secured the victory. And Jesus cannot secure the victory if there is no battle. And there is no battle if there is no enemy. Well, the enemy is the ruling power of Satan. The enemy is... Sin and our being in bondage to that sin. And the battle then is that Jesus must deliver us from that bondage of sin, which Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. And there Jesus was, in fact, victorious. And now the recognition of that victory is the glory and the honor and the praise that is given to Jesus for that victory that he accomplished on the cross of Calvary. The ascension of Jesus into heaven is the coronation of King Jesus as he has performed the will of God, covering all our sins and destroying the power of Satan. But in the second place, the significance for Jesus in the ascension is that now Jesus also receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible tells us. Acts chapter 2, Peter's Pentecostal sermon. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost and the promise of is identified then as the Holy Spirit. Jesus receives the Holy Spirit now as his own spirit. The Holy Spirit that Jesus pours out who comes to God's people, but the Holy Spirit never doing anything apart from Jesus Christ, but always bringing the words of Jesus Christ, always bringing the life of Jesus Christ. And Jesus told the disciples in John 16 that it's necessary for him to go away because then he will send unto them the Comforter. And right here in Luke 24, right before the text, Jesus tells them to tarry in Jerusalem and to wait for, for the promise and for the Spirit which is to come. And so now we start to get a sense of the joy 
and the gladness the disciples had with Jesus leaving them and ascending into heaven. Because now the disciples were forced to think, as Jesus already opened the scriptures and gave them a certain measure of understanding about Psalm 24, about Psalm 47, about Psalm 110, all psalms about how the king must ascend into heavenly glory. And now the disciples were also stopped to force and be forced to think that, all right, if Jesus remains with us in the body, yes, that would be nice. But then there would not be those shouts of joy and praise to him as he would enter into heaven. And then there would be no comfort for us because then there would be no comforter that would be sent us from the Father. And that's something that we all need. The disciples needed that comfort. They were looking forward to that comfort. And for us, that's what we need as well. Because what is, what is all our life on this earth, a life of 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, if all those years are only filled with pain and suffering, and if there's no comfort, and the disciples are beginning to understand more and more, that if Jesus doesn't go away, then he's not going to receive that coronation victory, and we're not going to receive the comforter. And so the important theological point is that the comforter cannot come to you and to me except Jesus ascend into heaven. And so the text says that they return to Jerusalem with great joy. Well, of course they return with great joy because Jesus has ascended into heaven. He would receive the Spirit, and now they would be comforted. And so if that's the significance of the ascension for Jesus, the glory that he would receive as the conquering king, the promise of the Spirit given unto him, then there's great significance and comfort for us. For us, in the first place, because Jesus having ascended, he sends us the Holy Spirit. Or to use the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, that Jesus sends us his Spirit as in earnest, by whose power we seek the things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God and not things on the earth. Having ascended into heaven, Jesus pours out upon the church, upon you and me, the Holy Spirit. His Spirit, who comforts us, who gives us the life of Jesus, the Spirit who sanctifies us, the Spirit who leads and guides and directs the church into all truth. The disciples don't understand the full reality of that, of the, of the Spirit. They will on the day of Pentecost, but insofar as they have a measure of that Spirit already, the Spirit is slowly leading them into all truth. So that now 
they are filled with a certain measure of the Spirit that they don't focus simply on the physical departure of Jesus, but they know that it's good that Jesus go away so that Jesus can come unto them by way of his Spirit. And people of God tonight, that's our joy. That's our happiness. Christ pours out unto us his Holy Spirit. And that Spirit takes all of those blessings that Jesus merited for us on the cross of Calvary, and the Spirit gives those blessings to us. And the Spirit applies those blessings to your life and to mine. And the Spirit leads us into all truth. What's the explanation for why we don't seek the things which are below here on this earth, but why we seek the things which are above? It's because Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven and given us the Holy Spirit. In the second place, the significance of Jesus' ascension for us is that now having ascended into heaven, Jesus is our advocate and our intercessor. And that means that Christ, right now, sits at the right hand of God and pleads with the Father to shower down upon us all of the blessings of salvation and to give unto us everything that Jesus earned for us. And remember that Jesus is in the opportune spot to do so. He's at the right hand of God so that we have an advocate who never leaves the side of his Father and who never stops being that perfect advocate and intercessor that we need. And what good news that is for us. That's wonderful for us to hear because always, always, my needs are before the Father. God does not forget me because at his right hand is his only son who did the work, who is our substitute. And thus we have grace for every trial, for every sorrow, for every burden, for every temptation. Christ is ascended into heaven. He is our intercessor. And so this was glory for Jesus Christ. This was good news for the disciples. They were glad. They were joyful. Let us be glad and joyful. And let us continually praise him. And that finally, this evening, the continual praise. Upon Jesus ascending into heaven, the disciples returned to Jerusalem. They were filled with great joy. And they were, as verse 53 says, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. So that the disciples went back to Jerusalem. They were waiting for the promise of the Spirit to come. But they were not waiting, uh, simply being idle and twiddling their thumbs, wondering what to do next. But they were busy praising God. They were busy 
worshiping God in the temple. Jesus had ascended as the conquering king, and now what else could the disciples do? But in their joy and happiness, they were praising the God of their salvation. And note that the text says that they were continually in the temple. That means, well, they, that they didn't stay at home. They didn't say, well, the temple is now meaningless, and now we can worship God wherever we want, whenever we want. No, but you'd always find the disciples in the temple, the place where God dwelt, the place where his word was explained. As often as they could make it to the temple, that's where they would be. No doubt the Jews took notice and often wondered, why in the world are these disciples of Jesus Christ always and continually in the temple, praising and worshiping God. Well, so great was their happiness and joy. And happiness and joy always expresses itself in praise and worship to God. And what better place to do that than in the house of God? And so let's take this instruction to heart May our joy at the ascension of Jesus Christ into, the, into heaven be so great that we too are compelled to praise and worship and bless the name of God always. Joy, knowing that my Savior is the King. Joy, knowing that He is my advocate. Great happiness, knowing that he bestows upon me all those blessings of salvation that he earned for me. And may our joy be so great that you and I are also found continually within the temple. That means that we're always worshiping God in our daily lives, offering even our lives as a continual sacrifice unto God, which is our reasonable service. But then also, and more especially on the Sabbath day, when we go to God's house and there to express our joy and our praise for all that God has done for us as we worship God in the congregation of the saints. Though Jesus has departed in the body, let's not be sad at that. Let's not speculate and Think about how great it would be for Jesus to be here in the body. No, but let's be happy and joyful that Jesus left us in the body to go into heaven, but then to be with us, the promise of the Spirit. And tonight, therefore, we are a people of great joy and great happiness because Jesus has ascended into heaven. This is our comfort. This is our salvation. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, we thank thee for thy word. We thank thee for the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ in all of the work that thou didst give him to do. We glorify and praise him tonight as a conquering king, as the one who has accomplished and secured all our salvation. We're thankful that he has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven to be at thy right hand. We thank thee for 
him who is our intercessor and advocate will be pleased to give unto us all that Jesus has earned for us. All these things we ask in his name alone. Amen. We sing Psalter number 129. Psalter number 129, this is a versification of Psalm 47. Rejoice, ye people, homage give to God with voice of triumph, saying, He ruleth in dread majesty, the great, the universal King. Let's sing stanzas 1, 3, and 5. 1, 3, and 5 of 129.
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen.